Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to another edition of The Spilled Tea. I'm one of your hosts, Emmy Morgan, just waiting on Joseph. Um, Good to be back. The reason why I took some time off is because, um, I don't know, I just kind of felt like I needed, well, I got my first shot at the beginning of, of Pfizer, the beginning of the month. And it's not that I didn't feel right after. I just was really tired. So I got it on April 3rd, which was a Saturday. And I, like, immediately took a nap right after, which I don't do. I never nap. And then that Sunday, I was just feeling tired again, even though I just woke up. And I was about to do the show. And then I just felt really tired, so I took another nap. Um, But other than that, there's been no side effects. I have my second shot in, gosh, next Saturday, and then I'm fully vaccinated. Well, so far vaccinated because Pfizer has said, the CEO of Pfizer has stated that we would need another, um, a third shot next next year in 12 months. So we'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, and then the other, the week after that, which was last week, um I don't know. I just, I felt, I felt a little overwhelmed by everything that was going on, to be honest with you. I felt a little overwhelmed. I felt like the conversation would just rattle on when it was just me because I just, I don't know, whatever. So I just, sorry, I took two weeks off. I needed it. Um, Yeah, but we're back now. And just waiting for my co-host to, to join, and then we can get started. Um, I know I normally do this at the end of the show, but I'm going to do it now. I'm going to give my Eva Mendez moment, because I don't have my shout-out yet. <laughs> my Eva Mendez moment was really amazing. So I am a part of you guys know, I'm a part of Forever in a Day, which is a podcast soap opera. Go ahead, look it up, uh, Forever in a Day podcast. It's anywhere you listen to podcasts, literally. So I joined season two, and I'm told that I'm a really good contribution to the writing staff, which I'm, I'm happy about. And I just feel like this show almost writes itself sometimes, you know, like when I have writers meetings and stuff with Casey and um, the creator and Candace, the um, co-writer and co-executive producer, I just feel like the show basically just writes itself. And I mean, the characters and the situations, it doesn't feel very plot driven. It feels very character driven. So uh, we, We've been leading up to a lot of seasons, I feel. I feel like the first season 
nobody knew what to expect. And then this season, they're they're listening because, okay, now they're fully invested in these characters. And something happens in this season. I'm not going to spoil it because I want everybody to go listen. Um, you can even go to um, faadseries.com and listen to episodes there if you can't find it on uh, streaming services. So, yeah, um, or sorry, podcast services, not streaming services, because it's all audio. And something happened, and one of the episodes early on in the season was really high, you know, it had like seven or 800 listens, which is, was an all-time high. Well, num- first off, the show is number one on the network, literally the number one podcast show on the JLJ Media Network. So that was like great in itself. And then it hit 800 listens. And we're like, wow, that's amazing. Um, one of the later episodes, because that was in the beginning of the season, one of the later episodes, because we're getting towards the end of the, the season, just hit over a 1,000. And we are just like, what is going on? Like, we couldn't even, like, believe it. So not only is it the number one, but it's, like, breaking records. And I just, I'm so happy. I am so happy that I am associated with something that I feel passionate about, something that I feel is an amazing project. And then others apparently assume the same. They think it's great, too, because they're listening in droves. And I'm just, uh, I'm so happy about it. And it's very telling. And I posted about it a couple times on my um, social media account the support that we have for each other, not just the cast, but behind the scenes and the support we have from the network and the network head, James Bott Jr., has been amazing. And as a black trans woman, being a part of something so um, so mainstream, that feels even better. And um, I'm noticing that trans women are starting to pop up everywhere. So it's almost like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm really happy that I'm part of this project, whether I was, I'm trans or not. I'm happy I'm part of it. And also, I just feel like things are headed in the right direction. And hopefully, cross your fingers, <laughs> It continues because, yeah, it's just um, feels good. Feels good to be part of this. Um, I actually thought of my shout out, by the way, and I'm going to do the shout out. Who cares? I'll do the shout out now. Anyway, um, I want to give a shout out to a man who I feel is one of my. He's become one of my favorite writers and producers. He truly has. And I have to give him credit. His name is DJ Nash. He is the creator and writer of A Million Little Things. And this show, and I know I've said it before on this show, I'm pretty sure I said it, every week from week to week, it's consistently good. 
and it consistently gets better than the last week. And yes, here and there, some characters will make decisions, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was so stupid. But overall, I love the show, and I think we're in season three. And last week, one of the main characters was in rehab, and he met a trans woman. And I was just shocked that, number one, I'm seeing a trans woman on a major network on your TV show. Now, Alexandra Gray is on, she's been on Empire. She's been on, um, she currently right now is on uh, MacGyver. So I love that. And more so on MacGyver, they're not playing up the fact that she's trans. She's just a, a new hire. She's mentioned it, like, maybe once, but it's more the fact that she's just a new hire to the team, which I love. Um, but Bobby Charlton on A Million Little Things, the reason why I love her character so much is because everybody else on the show, they're Eddie's friend, but they kind of tread lightly with him. And this character is just like, boom. She cut him up in a group meeting. And she didn't even chip her nail polish, you know. And a lot of people, I mean, there definitely are some people on the message board that are saying, you know, attacking her for being trans, attacking the actual actress for being trans. But the majority of people love the fact that someone has called Eddie out on his crap. And that is what the character is doing. That's her purpose. And it's so cool. I mean, this. so she didn't come out as trans on the first episode. This week she talked about being trans because Eddie said to her, well, I didn't choose to be this way. You chose to be that way. And she's like, excuse me? And she lit him up again. And the way she did it, too, she was just playing cards with him, lit him up, and then didn't even bat an eyelash. I was like, this actress, oh, my gosh, she's amazing. Um, There's a whole documentary about her story and everything. So cool. But, um. Yeah, so I want to give a shout-out to DJ Nash. Hopefully one of these days I get to work with him because he's one of my idols. And he just, he that man is amazing. And I tweeted something out about, you know, first I thanked him for being an ally. And he just, like, did this whole tweet about, you know, how he's a storyteller who tells all stories. And, oh, he's just amazing. He's just an amazing dude. And I just... I want, in a world full of Peter Berg, you know, the guy who made a transphobic comment about Caitlyn Jenner. Yes, I did remember. Yes, I have receipts. No, I'm never going to forget. In a world full of Peter Berg, be a DJ Nash. Like, he's so, oh, I just love him. I just love that man. Such a good, such a good soul. Um yeah, so those are my Eva Mendez moments and my shout-outs. Um, I don't 
know where Joseph is. Um, it's fine. I'm just going to get started. The first thing I want to talk about is the talk. So the talk came back, and it came back with without Sharon Osbourne. And the first episode... The first episode was okay. I mean, it wasn't great. Here's why. First of all, only one person. There's four co-hosts now instead of five. Uh, Carrie Abanaba, I always mess up her name. Carrie and well, Carrie Ann. I'll just call her Carrie Ann because I always mess up her name and I feel bad. So Carrie Ann came back. So Carrie Ann has been sick for like two months. They've been saying, you know, every day, oh, Carrie Ann's out sick. We wish her well. She came back and she said, I'm just here to listen. I wasn't here for what happened. You know, I'm just going to be here to listen. So she listened. Um, Elaine, Amanda, and Cheryl. The thing, though, is that Cheryl was the only one that said Sharon's name. It's almost like Elaine refused and Amanda was scared to or something. I'm not sure why Amanda didn't. But it definitely felt like Elaine refused to say her name. And we didn't get, I feel, we didn't get to the crux of the problem. Um, Elaine did dispel some of the, you know, rumors that her and Cheryl attacked her, um, Sharon, on purpose, that they were told by the network to do so. She dispelled those rumors. She also dispelled other rumors, like um, that, oh, what was the other rumor she dispelled? Oh, um, that, well, she kind of dispelled it. She kind of alluded to the fact that this wasn't an ongoing thing for Sharon, and that she didn't feel like Sharon was a racist. However, like I said, she never said her name. She never, um, neither, no, none of the co-hosts ever really addressed how they felt moving forward. They just kind of said, she's not here. Um, This is how we felt in the moment. And that's it. Cheryl did say that I guess Mrs. O tried to reach out to her uh, via email, and Cheryl had never been through an internal investigation, so she didn't know. She didn't know she could respond back to her. She thought she had to just stop talking to everybody, so she stopped talking, and she didn't respond back to her. But she didn't say if she responded back recently or any. I don't know. It just the whole thing felt like it was missing something. It was incomplete somehow. Um, yeah, it just didn't feel, I don't know, didn't feel 100% like the topic was settled. It felt more like glossed over. And now we're going to move on. That's what it felt like. Um, yeah. Because of that, and also because of 
some network thing. I guess this guy, Peter Dunn at CBS, he was the head of TV stations and the news. Uh, he had said something pretty vile. Um, ooh, I don't know what's going on with CBS. <laughs> but um, he had said something pretty nasty um, about, let me just get my notes here. Um, it doesn't, um, you know what, I don't even want to, yeah. He said something pretty racist and he was let go and he was replaced. Well, he's been accused of saying something, I should say. Allegedly, he said something racist and sexist. Um, so he was fired after the investigation was complete and placed. And they've combined the TV stations and the news together at CBS. I'm not sure how that will affect everybody going forward, but... Yeah, um, I think it started with the Sharon thing and then it ended with the Peter thing. I think CBS needs a top-to-bottom scrub-down of racist, sexist, whatever behavior in that workplace. And I think it needs to be done across the board to all companies. I think we need to providing safe spaces for people that are still in that old boys club that think that they can stay and do whatever they want, but because they bring in the numbers, they're not going anywhere. We need to stop catering to that. We need to stop making safe spaces for these people. We need to, if we say that we are going to provide workplace that is um, mutually, what's the word I'm looking for? And safe. We need to make it safe for people that don't discriminate against other people, not make it safe for people that do discriminate because the people that do discriminate create a hostile work environment and we need to stop doing that. We need to stop allowing these people, giving them third and fourth chances, you get two chances, two, in the workplace. You should get two. Here's why. The first time you do something, okay, we're going to give you a chance to correct your behavior. We're going to tell you what you did, how to correct it, and we're going to watch to see that you did. After that second time, if you still haven't learned, I'm sorry, this ain't baseball. You should be out. And I know some people say zero talk zero tolerance, but we have to give people a chance. I'm, I'm sorry. I have had to have a second chance with people. I'm not perfect. I need coaching. I need to learn some things, you know, for example, and I'm going to be 100% honest about it. Colton Underwood, he recently came out as gay and when he did, I was like, oh, my gosh, it makes so much sense. When I was watching Colton Underwood, oh, my God, I can't even talk. 
Colton Underwood season of The Bachelor, I noticed that he was like overly emotional. He was clinging to Cassie. He like jumped over a fence and followed her. And I'm like, what? He is so dramatic. What is his deal? And now after he's come out, and yes, he did this whole, like, there's allegations that he stalked her and he put a tracking monitor under her um, vehicle and she got a restraining order against him. All that's been lifted. But let me explain to you why he did what he did. And I'm not saying every gay, closeted gay man does this. Most don't. But in this situation, I understand it now. He was clinging on to the last bit of what he considered, quote, a normal life, end quote. He dated this woman because he wanted to be normal or what he perceived to be normal. He was on the show because he wanted to live what he felt was going to be a normal life. Reason being, if you had seen, and this is not a knock to them at all, But if you watched that show and saw his family, you would understand why he was closeted. And it's, again, it's not a knock to them. They are just being who they are. But it did feel like they would probably tell gay jokes in front of him. (laughs) Um, He's known that he was different since he was six years old, and he's been hiding this all of these years. So when he, and not only that, what really irks me that he, when he came out as gay, you should have, if you can go to GMA and watch the video, watch the video. He's like clammy and he's just like so nervous. People online have said, well, you wasted my time. You wasted the Bachelor franchise time. What about poor Cassie? First of all, I guarantee you he reached out to everybody he needed to before he made this decision. I'm hoping he did. I'm hoping he talked to Cassie before he came out to the world. I'm hoping he, and I know he said that he did talk to his family. He talked to his um, friends. One of the things that really irked, that really, really, really hit home for me was when he said, most people said, why didn't you tell me sooner? When I came out as trans, there were people that said that to me. There was actually one person who got mad at me because I didn't tell her individually, but I announced it online. She felt we were close enough that I should have told her personally. The one thing that Amanda Klutz said said on the talk that really resonated with me is she said, shame on you people. Sing it about yourself. And that's how I felt when that person said that to me. And I had another gay friend do that to me. He was pissed I didn't tell him individually. And he stopped talking to me. Um... Don't make someone else's coming out about you. And I'm sorry 
viewer of The Bachelor franchise that you had to watch someone struggle with their sexuality and it interrupted your image of what the show was going to be about. I'm sorry. Poor you. Poor, poor you. Um, yeah, ignorant, ignorant, ignorant statements. This guy came out, and this is why people don't come out, because of reactions like that. So now everyone's saying, oh, he could be the first gay bachelor. And to the people that say, oh, I knew from the beginning, you don't win a prize for saying that. And anyone that said that he was gay at the time, um, how do I, how do I put this so people can understand? When you tell someone they're gay before they're ready to come out, what you are doing is any of your business, keep it to yourself or tell your friend. But what you don't do is kind of shame someone who doesn't come out of the closet because you have no idea what they're going through in order to be out. You have no idea. So stop that. Because that could be you. You know, Nisi Nash was married twice to men, and then suddenly she married a woman. And in Red Table Talk, she's like, I've never dated a woman before. You never know what your struggle will be. Because sometimes, some people, like myself, I was born trans. I was definitely born in the wrong body, period, in the outside body. But others, for whatever reason, they, they may subconsciously know it, but they don't know it on the surface. And it takes them almost the rest of their lives, or it takes that one moment that they're like, oh, my gosh, light bulb. Now, I can't understand that because I've been me the, the way that I am all my life. But I certainly appreciate everybody on this planet is different. I don't give a fuck what your, what your life is. I don't give a fuck what you do with your life. As long as you're not disturbing my peace, go ahead, do you. I will never understand why people are so pressed about others and what others are doing. How is me being trans hurting someone else how is me being black hurting someone else? Like, I don't, un- I will never understand why people care so much about what other people do. I will never understand it, ever. But I guess that's just me. Um, so, there's been, um, it's been crazy how the Derek Chauvin trial is going on right now in Minneapolis. And he's rightly so being accused of murdering a man by holding his knee on the man's neck for nine minutes. His defense team, their argument is George Floyd was on drugs. That's why he died, not because of the knee on the neck. 
because he feels, his defense team feels, and they've had, quote, experts, end quote, come on the stand to say, number one, that wouldn't hurt anybody, and number two, that wouldn't kill anybody. Um, so then my thing is, why don't we have a demonstration? And why don't we have Derek Chauvin lay on the ground with somebody putting pressure, as much pressure as he did on Derek neck and see what happens. And if he lives, well, there you go. Let's do it. Nine minutes. While he's talking as well. Because George Floyd was also losing oxygen at the time. He wasn't conserving it by just staying still. He was saying, I can't breathe, get off, hoping that his pleas, his cries were going to get to move, get Derek to move. So, yeah, we need to see a demonstration. We need to see a 100% demonstration because two experts already said that that was the reason. That the lack of oxygen is what killed George. And we all know, how, think about it. When you go down into a pool, how long can you stay down there for before you lose air and have to come up? Like, <laughs> same thing. I, I just, I don't know. He wasn't listening to the advice of medical professionals who were there on the scene saying they were off duty, but they were saying this man is going to die. If you don't move, get off him. Nope. I don't want to. Why did he choose to do that? What was his point of staying there that long? Like who taught him that? And are we also going to talk about the, the 18 to 19 complaints he had and the shooting he was involved in? earlier to show this pattern of this guy going rogue. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how this defense team can defend him. I understand everybody deserves a fair and equal trial, but this should be up and up and in shut case period. I don't get it. Um, Ten miles down the road, Dante Wright was shot by accident by a 24-year vet who was on the police union and was on trainer as well, Kim Potter. She was training someone the day she shot him. So here's the thing. Personally, from my perspective, I feel like she shot him and said the word taser, taser on purpose for a defense. Here's why. Number one, tasers are bright yellow and they're very lightweight compared to a gun. Number two, tasers are in a completely different spot than the gun is. Three, the weight 
and the mechanics of both are completely different. Tasers don't have safeties on them, I'm told. Guns do. So if you grab your gun by mistake, the first thing you do is flip the safety off. You don't have to flip the safety of a taser. I'm told there isn't one. There's only a button to discharge. Uh, number four, and this is by far the most important thing. When you put your gun in front of you or, or your taser in front of you, you see what, you, what weapon you have. If you don't see yellow, that's not a taser. So how the hell can you put a black gun in a different spot where you flip the safety off, put it in front of you, and yell, taser, taser? Why the fuck would you do that unless it's deliberate? So for me, I feel like she did this as a defense. She killed this man in cold blood and then said, taser, taser, to cover her butt so that her defense will be, oh, I just grabbed the wrong weapon. And then for her to resign instead of going to trial and say, you know, yes, it was a mistake. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go down for this. But she resigned. And so for me, that's an admission of guilt. She was arrested after she resigned, which, no, that shouldn't have been the case. She should have been arrested first and shouldn't have had the ability to resign. But that's just me, whatever. And then another point that I'd like to make is there was somebody training with her, but there were also other cops around her. Why did nobody tell her she had the wrong weapon? Why did nobody say, that's a gun? Why did nobody else's weapon discharge? I just find it really fascinating that they allowed this woman on body cam to shoot someone in front of his girlfriend. And then they let her resign. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. That better be an open and shut case as well. 10 miles from where George Floyd died in Minneapolis. Oh, Lord. I just, I just don't know. And then, um, a Latino, Latino half black man, Lieutenant Nazario, who was in his army fatigues was pulled over for whatever reason. He felt more comfortable going to a lit area. On body cam, once again, thank God for these body cams and dash cams, he is seen raising his hands and asking questions. Why did you pull me over? What is going on? Why do you have your pepper spray out? And then he pepper sprayed in the eyes. And then the officers say, well, we for our lives. And you really shouldn't um, report this to anybody. On body cam, they're saying this. You made us feel really threatened. Would they think he was going to be John Wick and beat the shit out of them with his bare hands while they were up, while he was sitting in the car? Did they think he was just going to magically burn them with his eyeballs? There was no reason to pepper spray that man. 
And the police force will not apologize to him because they feel like those cops were in the right. This is what we need to do. And that happened in Virginia. Shocking. We need to, number one, go away any type of, uh, what's the word? What is the word I'm looking for? I'm losing my word today. Um, we need to take away this whole mentality that cops should not be held accountable for their mistakes. In every other profession on the planet, if you mess up, you're held accountable for your mistakes. From the President of the United States down to the janitor and school, you are always held accountable. And people will go on and on about, you know, this president didn't do this and this president didn't do that and blah, blah, blah. They'll be the first to tweet and, and, and post. But for some reason, we don't give that same energy to cops. Yes, I understand not every cop is evil, but the good cops need to hold the bad cops accountable in the moment and after the moment. If you see, and they tell us this, they've told this this since, um, especially in Massachusetts, they've told us this um, since the Boston bombing. If you see something, say something. If you see something that looks suspicious, say something. Why is it that cops have a different mentality? If you see something on the job, don't say anything because you're going to be ostracized. Like that woman who sued, she was a, a police officer. She corrected somebody on the job, and she got fired for correcting that, and they took away her pension. She finally got her pension back and was awarded damages. But it took like 10 years. Why are police held to a higher standard than any other person on this planet and any other profession? Why? I need to know. Because that shouldn't be the case. I know someone who was a cop and he was openly gay and he was ostracized. He was made fun of. He was on the force for 20 years. He has PTSD now because of that. And they wouldn't send backup for him sometimes. It was just like, it's ridiculous. And had he spoke up in the moment, he would have been ostracized then. Why is it? The people who say there are good cops, where are the good cops? Stand up. Say something. I get that you want to you want to say that they're good cops, but let's see those reactions. Let's hear what Ub feels when his partner does something wrong. Because right now we're not seeing those examples. Sure, we'll see an example of a, a cop hugging someone We'll see a, a, a little black boy. We'll see examples of cops, I don't know, doing something nice. But what about when another cop does something bad? What does that good cop say? Why are we not hearing that reaction? That I will never understand. Um, another person... He was a he's a he was a boy. Thirteen year old Adam Toledo was with his friends, and 
some cops had said something, some cops had heard that there was a disturbance. So they chased these two boys. One of them, both, both boys were running. One of them stopped running and put his hands up. Adam had a gun. He threw it over a fence and put his hands up. So he's got his hands up. Um, You can't really hear what they're saying, but I guess I'm assuming they said, you know, we saw you with a gun in your hand. It wasn't, he didn't fire at them or anything like that. We saw you with a, with a gun in your hands. Well, I don't have anything in my hands now. Again, we don't hear the audio, but that's what I'm assuming that a cop would say. This boy is standing there with his arms up, with his hands up, with his palms open. He still got shot in the chest. He's complying, but he still got shot in the chest. And people are still going to harp on the fact, well, he had a gun before. He didn't fire that gun. He didn't point it at cops. He threw it over a fence. Old. That's not a me. And people will say, oh, that 13-year-old man. No, 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 sweetheart. No, 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 no. He's a boy. He's a minor. He's a minor. The 21-year-old that shot up the Atlanta salon, that's a man, honey, because he's 21. He can drive. He can drink legally. Adam couldn't do those things. So he's a boy. He's a minor to drag every little thing. If that's all you got, that he had a, a gun before he saw the cops, but did he have a gun at the time? Did he have a gun in his hand and was pointing it at cops at the time? No? Then shut your fucking mouth because that's the only thing that you got defending you. He's standing there with his hands up, not posing a threat, walking towards the cops and still gets shot in the chest and killed. You got anything else to say about that? No. But you're going to come out your mouth about someone's little boy. Awful. That's how people are nowadays. Yet when the, when the man shot up three, three Atlanta spas, he was, oh, he was having a really bad day, a really bad day. And he just shot up those, those places because he's a sex addict and they were temptation for him. So you're okay with a little boy who's holding a gun, throws it, has it, doesn't have it in his possession that the time he has a cop confront him, killing him, but you're also okay with a boy saying he went to massage park. You know what? I'm not even going to... Okay. Um, my point of mentioning these shootings is that in every one of them, the person that's shooting is not a person of color. The way that there is a stigma on black men and black women, the angry black woman, the angry black man, well, I think there needs to be a stigma that the angry white man, because the angry black people have something to be angry about. 
what the fuck does a, a white guy need to be angry about? I, I'm sure there are struggles that white guys have. I, I get it. I'm sure that every white guy has a story of what they're struggling with. But when people see them, physically see them, and shoot them for not having any weapons in their hands, for shooting them, walking back to a van to see if their child is okay. You have nothing to be angry about, sweetheart. Sad, but I feel like sometimes in this country we are a target. We are a target because of our race. And I don't think other races understand or appreciate that. When people see me, even with the mask on, I'm sure they have the reservations because of my skin color. Now, what do I mean by that? You probably don't even know what I mean by that. I can walk by a person, a white lady, and you notice things. If she's walking on the outside of the sidewalk, just to, she starts to walk in the grass a little bit. She starts to hold her purse closer to her. She's like just a little bit more. She like squeezes her purse a little. Or she'll completely switch arms where her purse is. Her purse is going to be, if she walks by me, her purse is going to be next to me. She'll switch it to the other arm. Little things like that you notice that you would never notice being a person not of color. And I guarantee you if you ask that lady, why'd you do that? Oh, I just, you know, I, I, I do it whenever anybody walks by just to feel safer. No, you don't. No, you don't. I do. Before I even... When I'm walking on the street, I have a few rules that I've said to myself. Number one, if I'm walking with someone, especially someone younger, like a kid, they walk on the inside of the sidewalk. I walk on the outside because if a car jumps up, it'll hit me instead of the little kid. If I'm walking alone, I walk on the inside. Number two, I keep my purse away from the middle of the sidewalk. So no matter what side of the sidewalk I'm on, my purse is on the outside so that anybody who walks by, because think, think of it this way, a purse snatcher will go right in the middle and they want a fair escape. What are they going to do? Surround you? By the time you feel them walk around you, you can be alert and you can react. Another thing I do is that when I go to the gas station and I pull up and I turn my car off, I immediately open my door and lock my door with my key. Immediately. I'll open it and lock it. Because I don't want anybody sneaking into my car when I'm not, when I immediately get out. Because people can. Your door's unlocked right now when you park. Thing I do is I 
when I go out to a club or a bar or something, I never, ever, ever get a drink, allow somebody to buy me a drink. If you're going to buy me a drink, it's going to be a bottled water, water with me everywhere I go. It's not going to leave my sight. I'm going to keep the cap on. I'm going to unscrew the cap, drink, screw the cap back on. If I have to go to the bathroom, that water's coming with me. We just need to be more aware and more safe when we are out alone by ourselves. And also, too, when, um, and this is very important, when I'm on the street and I'm listening with my earbuds, or even when I'm on the, the transit in Boston, I don't black my music in my earbuds. I keep it low enough that I can hear, but then I, I can hear my music, but I can hear my surroundings. Because people will see that you have your earbuds in and they're going to take advantage of that situation. So I want to hear footfalls behind me. I, and I want people to know I can hear them. So sometimes if I hear somebody behind me with my earbuds in, I'll turn around so that they know that I hear them. Just always be alert and always be on your guard. Um, I did want to talk about reparations, but I'm going to wait until Joe's here just because I want to have a back and forth discussion, not just, you know, me discussing it. So I'll hold off on that one. Um, what else can I talk about? Oh, yeah, I'm going to save the other discussion I have. No, I think that's, um, I think that's pretty much it for now. Um, gosh, I can't believe I just talked an hour by myself. <laughs> There are two topics that I want to speak with Joe on, and, um, yeah, I'll speak with him another time. But thank you so much for listening. I also want to give one more shout-out, one more. I want to give a shout-out to T.S. Madison because she did her thing, honey, with the T.S. Madison it's on VTV. Check it out. You will love it. Not just the fact that, she's trans and you want to know her struggle, but you get so educated. Like some of the things that she talks about, some of the things that she brings up, so important to the trans community. And I really felt connected when she went to her dad and cause she had this episode where she went to her dad and she told him, listen, I've never had a name for you, but I'm willing to call you Pops if you are willing to call me Madison. Stop dead naming me, stop misgendering me, and I'll respect you. And he did. But his initial reaction was, oh, um, I don't agree with it. You know, it's weird seeing my child do this. People make your trans the people that don't like you or don't approve of being trans, they make it about themselves. I feel uncomfortable with you transitioning. I feel uncomfortable calling you different pronouns. I feel uncomfortable calling you um, 
a different name. That's what my half-brother does. He dead names me. He uh, uses the wrong pronouns. He does it on purpose. But here's the thing. There's also a lack of education on his part. He doesn't even have his GED. He's in his 50s, and he works a seasonal job every year. That's it. He doesn't have a full-time job. He doesn't have benefits. He doesn't have a 401K. He's 51 years old. When he gets to be 65, which is retiring age, what's he going to retire from? He ain't got a pot to piss in. Um, so it's not really surprising for me that he dead names me and uses the wrong pronouns. What surprises me is that my mother will say, well, he has gay friends. So you mean to tell me he's treating strangers better than he's treating his blood relatives? Um, the The reason why I mention this and also the reason why I discuss any of this is not because I'm trying to vilify him or malign him, which telling the truth doesn't vilify anybody. When I get famous, and I will, my listeners will wonder, and my fans will even wonder, why doesn't she have anything to do with her mother and half-brother? Why, why does she call them blood relatives instead of family? Come on back to this podcast and listen to my episodes where I say story after story about how these two individuals are not good people. So that you are not going to have me up here looking like Meghan Markle not believing my story because I've been talking about it for a long time. I've been giving detail for a long time. So you can't say, oh, Emmy never talked about this before. Honey, yes, I did. And another reason, too, the second reason and most important reason why I bring it up is because I did a Facebook post about this, these two people. And I said they are blood relatives, not family. That old adage that you can't choose your family is wrong. Choose your blood relatives. You can definitely choose your family. And that is so important for people in the LGBTQ plus community to remember. When someone's dead naming you and someone's misgendering you and they're blood relatives, you do not need to take that. You do not. I feel like I'm having deja vu. I may have spoken about this before. You do not need to say, well, that's my mom. See, the thing about T.S. Madison is she gave her dad and her mom second chances. Her mom is amazing. Her mom tries. She tries so hard. And she succeeds sometimes and she fails sometimes. But the people that don't try... I don't care who you are. You're out. You're out of here. Because here's the thing. The people that don't try 
only give it a whirl because they feel like you're family. You know what's going to happen? The second you piss them off, they're going to slip into the wrong name. They're going to slip into the wrong pronoun on purpose to piss you off. Watch, watch. That's what they do. That's how they really see you. When you're in their good graces, you're a she, you're Emmy. The second I piss somebody off that isn't 100% accepting, and I am he. I've come to understand that. And you know what? It's the same as the N-word. It's the same as being gay or trans. I remember I pissed this guy off. And I'd been friends with him since I was like a teenager. The second I pissed him off, I was a fag. And I'm like, that's how you viewed me this whole time. Got it. Got it. The second you piss off a friend not of color and they say the N-word, that's how they've always seen you. They're entire friendship with you. Just be mindful of that stuff. Because for me, once you say something like that, you can't unsay it. Um, don't, um, don't let length of friendship, length of time, blood relation trip you up. You got to do what's right for you. And if this person is not good for your spirit, sweetie, you need to move on. End of story. Because what happens down the road will affect you and will drag you down. And you can't let that happen. We are given one life at a time. We have to live those lives because I believe in reincarnation. We have to give those lives a fair and equal shot. So don't let anybody drag you down. You deserve better. Well, that's all I have time for. So much for listening. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing weekend. Be safe out there. And remember, if nobody in this world loves you, I love you. Thanks, guys. Still thirsty for more tea? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Spilled Tea PC. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spilled Tea.